بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله العلي العظيم أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا رسول الله نؤمن به ونستعينه ونستهديه ونستجيره ونستنصره فإنه من هدى الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له لا إله إلا الله نتوكل عليه ونعوذ به ونعوذ به أن نضل أو نزل أو أن نظلم أو نظلم أو أن نجهل أو نستجهل ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد خاتم النبيين المرسل رحمة للعالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين The Islamic tradition the Islamic tradition is full of perils of wisdom there are perils of wisdom that were born directly out of the bosom of the Qur'an. As if rays of light that are influenced by the guidance of the Quran and these perils of wisdom because partly because of the nature of historical progression the nature that history works and partly because of the way that Muslims failed to take care of their own tradition. These perils of wisdom are not always easily located or appreciated. They are often scattered and sometimes even submerged in 
accumulations of dust, mud, ignorance, and misguidance, it requires a thinking mind. It requires an active intellect and a properly guided heart to understand, to find and understand and evaluate these perils of wisdom. In a well-known collection by Imam al-Tabarani, it is reported that the companion of the Prophet Muaz bin Jabal heard the Prophet say, in part, قالوا يا رسول الله كيف نصنع قال موت في طاعة الله خير من حياة من حياة في معصية الله the hadith is reported in different versions as is usual but the most common version from the companion Muaz, who said that I heard the Prophet say, says in essence the following Know that the state of Islam. The affairs of Islam, like the affairs of history and time, it will go up and down. Means there will be various situations where Islam will appear victorious and in a healthy state and other situations where it will appear that Islam is in trouble. Then the Prophet ﷺ gives us an advice. Stay with Allah's book. Stay with the Quran. 
regardless of what the situation is, regardless of whether things look good or bad, hold fast to the Quran. That is your guidance. That's your compass. That's your safety belt. That's how you make sure that you don't spin off in a misdirection. Regardless of what happens, don't let go of the Quran. Then the Prophet ﷺ is reported to say, know that they will come to be rulers. Rulers will come. There will be rulers over you. The problem with these rulers is that they will violate the golden rule. They will violate the golden rule. They are not going to rule for you as they would rule for themselves. In other words, they will apply double and triple and quadruple standards. What they would do for themselves, what they would do for their family, what they would do for their allies, their friends, their supporters, is not what they would do for you. Or to put differently, the type of justice that they think is befitting for the weak and the disempowered is not the type of justice that they would accept for people they care about. And know that with these types of rulers, they want blind obedience. If you disobey them, they could kill you. Of course, kill you is symbolic for everything that is horrible. They could imprison you, they could torture you, they could murder you. But know that if you do obey them, they will lead you astray. So you've got a paradox here and a dichotomy that if you follow these rulers wherever they take you, you will lose everything. And the context of this report is that among the, the things that you lose is Allah's book, because they'll lead you astray. 
But if you disobey them, you are in danger. And then the report says that the Prophet is asked, well, what do we do then? And the Prophet responds by saying, know that a life in God's disobedience is worse than a death in God's obedience. In other words, it is better for you to die obeying God it is better for you to die obeying God than to live disobeying God. This tradition in many respects is similar to many other traditions that teach Muslims that it is unacceptable to live a life of submissive obedience when confronted with injustice. This tradition, like many other traditions that we've talked about in so many khutbahs, in fact, echo, echo the basic Islamic teaching that submission to Allah means submission to no other. It also echoes the basic Islamic teaching that you cannot obey any other human being if it means disobeying God. It also echoes the basic Islamic teaching that Al-Amr al-Maruf al-Munkar espousing and calling and advocating goodness and morality and opposing and rejecting and opposing immorality and ugliness is a basic Islamic duty. Okay, so where is the problem? The problem is that the hadith that I just shared with you, Allah in the Quran was Sultan Sayyaftariqan, like so many hadiths that call for resistance against injustice is declared to be a weak hadith. Why is it declared to be a weak hadith? Well, in the case of the hadith that I just related, 
It is said that Yazid bin Murtad, who is a narrator, did not hear from Muaz bin Jabal. And there is a debate or a, a disagreement about another narrator called Al-Wadim bin Atta' Ibn Habban said that Al-Wadim ibn Al-Atta' is reliable. Other scholars said he's not reliable. But let's go back to this point that Al-Yazid bin Murthad did not listen to, did not hear from Muaz bin Jabal. I'm not going to take you into, or I'm not going to force the, the sometimes um, academic sounding details of hadith narrations, debates. But when you look into and research Yazid, bin Murthad and the possibility of him listening or hearing this from Muaz bin Jabal, something that strikes you is that one, it is possible Yazid would have heard from Muaz. Second, is that in fact this hadith is narrated from from a number of ways that got, don't go back to Yazid. But yet, in the books of Hadith, this Hadith is declared to be weak. I told you that our tradition is full of jewels, that they require effort to reclaim them to polish them and to show them and to reclaim them. Why is that? Keep in mind that in Islamic history, we started out with what Sunnis called the four rightly guided caliphs, al-Rashidun. The four rightly guided caliphs. After the four, the Khilafah al-Rashidah comes to an end, the rightly guided caliphs come to an end, and what do we have? All Sunnis will tell you that there is Mulk Adud. Mulk Adud means royalty, kingdom, power, but ultimately no justice. What comes to power is the logic of power. That those in power are in power regardless of the consent of the governed, regardless of the consent of the governed. 
And those in power are in power regardless of whether they achieve justice or not achieve justice. The first four caliphs, Abu Bakr, Omar, Osman, Ali, that after the four, usurpation of power and power for the sake of power and power that doesn't rely on the consent of the governed and power that doesn't rely on the principles of justice. In Sharia books, they call this Hukm al-Mutaghallib. The legitimacy of the usurper. And the argument goes as follows. Whoever usurps power and establishes themselves as the ruler and has enough power to force people to obey him is a legitimate ruler and you must obey that person. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, this is old history. Why are you bringing it up? I'm bringing it up because when you talk to Muslims today about is Sisi of Egypt a legitimate ruler, the answer is yes, because of Hukm al-Mutaghallib, the usurper, the legitimacy of the usurper. You talk to Muslims today, is Haftar in Libya legitimate? And the answer is yes, Hukm al-Mutaghallib. Same thing for Saudi, same thing for the Emirates, same thing for Muslims all over. What that means is for Muslims, they should abandon the aspirations of the Khilafa, the Khilafa al Rashida, the rightly guided caliphs who ruled on the basis of the consent of the government and who ruled on the basis of justice. So what this mutaghallib argument amounts to is saying consent of the governed and justice is an old dream that died after the first four caliphs and don't you dare dream of it. That after the first four caliphs, the only option you have as a Muslim is the government of the usurper who rules without the consent of the governed and who rules without the need to achieve justice. And then you are told that the Prophet commanded that you obey the usurper, even if that usurper steals your money and flogs you and imprisons you and beats you. 
I cannot exaggerate the impact of this authoritarian, despotic theology all over the Muslim world, and even among Muslims in the West. Whether you go to mosques that are under the influence of Saudi or mosques that are under the influence of the Emirat, or you go to many Sufi mosques, or you go to Zaytuna school, or you go to so many Islamic schools in the West, the thing they always tell you is, Yes, consent of the government is nice. Yes, justice is nice. But, you know, the prophet commanded that you obey the ruler. Regardless of whether that ruler has consent, and regardless of whether that ruler achieved justice, and in fact that you obey the ruler even if that ruler commits injustice, including human rights abuses like torture and murder. And they tell you that this is your Sharia obligation. This is your Sharia duty. And you say, well, why is it my Sharia duty? And they say, because the Khilafah, the rightly guided Khilafah, Al Khilafah Rashida has come to an end after the first four caliphs. And after that, it has become Hukmul Mutagallib, the legitimacy of the usurper. So then you go back and you say, well, how about all these hadiths that tell you if you see injustice and you don't do anything about it, Allah will curse you, that tell you, like this hadith we just talked about, that there will be rulers that apply injustice and it is better to die resisting them than to obey them. And how about these hadiths? And the answer you typically give, well, these are all weak hadiths. But do you fail to notice that throughout this, this despotic history, it is the hadith that espouse obedience to unjust rulers that have been declared authentic and the hadith that espouse disobedience to unjust rulers that have been declared inauthentic. Can you fail to notice this? What I'm, what I'm saying quite bluntly is that ilm al-rijal, the science of hadith, was not an objective science. It was a science influenced by political ideologies and that unjust despots in the past as they do today put pressure on scholars so that scholars ended up giving us this horrible legacy the legacy of oppression despotism and injustice that scholars in the past were human beings, especially the, the, the scholars of hadith, and al-hadith. 
and the Hadith acted very much like the jokers of today by avoiding political confrontation. But I go a step further and tell you that you cannot fail to notice that the Islamic tradition is replete, replete with a momentums of freedom and justice and resistance to oppression. And that the Prophet's own grandson, Al-Hussein radiallahu anhu, clearly understood this to be his obligation and duty when he resisted the Umayyads and was martyred in resisting the Umayyads. But it is also clear that later Muslims were influenced by the institutions of despotism. And while orientations and trends that preserved the spirit of freedom continued to exist, the institutional scholars, the scholars who were recognized institutionally and honored institutionally, succumbed to the pressures of despotism and declared many of these hadiths that taught the principles of justice and resistance to be weak. And at the same time, told us that the hadith that teach subjugation and submission and dishonor before despots, they declared these hadiths to be authentic. It is time that as Muslims that we grow up we can't live like children. The rest of the world knows how critical it is that if people are ruled by someone, that they be ruled through the instrumentality of consent. That you can't rule people without their consent. It's ABC for the rest of the world. Consent. Not coercion. Once upon a time, when the Quran came and said, La there's no coercion even in religion. Muslims were the most forward-thinking and progressive people on the face of the planet. Because their Quran taught them coercion is no good. Once upon a time, it was Muslims who were teaching the world the value of freedom. But now, Muslims are the more among the most reactionary people in the world. Because while the rest of the world is talking about human rights and democracy, so many Muslims are slipping back 
or have slipped back or have remained backwards saying, oh, it's Allah's will that it's Allah's will that you be ruled without your consent and ruled without even the aspiration of justice. That you obey the ruler. If the ruler of just, great. But if the ruler is unjust, then you have to obey. Well, I'm here to tell you, no ruler on the face of earth, maybe other than the companions of the Prophet, no ruler achieves justice without people demanding justice. Justice is not a gift to be given. Justice is an entire project by a community, by a people, by an ummah, by a nation. Justice cannot be gifted. Justice must be achieved. And if you don't demand justice, you will never receive justice. We need to re-examine our tradition, to cleanse our tradition of despotism and oppression and ugliness. We need to re-examine our tradition, to cleanse our tradition from what tyrants have done to it. We need to re-examine our lives to tell all those who say that tyranny is Allah's will, shame on you. Because our Islam taught us that when we submit to Allah, we submit to no other. And that obedience is owed to Allah and is owed to no other. Can you imagine that in the 21st century there are tons of Muslims who tell you if someone comes to power through the ballot box you don't have to obey them. But if they come to power through the gun and the military you must obey them. So if they come to power peacefully and legitimately through the consent of the governed, they're illegitimate. But if they impose themselves upon people without the consent of the government, then they're legitimate. That's that's al-Mutaghallib. That's the doctrine of Wilayat al-Mutaghallib. It's completely on its head. Today, Salafis all over the world and even Sufis all over the world. Because of this doctrine, tell you, democracy might be appropriate for everyone else on the face of the earth, but not Muslims. Human rights, oh, well, they're appropriate for everyone on the face of the earth, but not Muslims. Muslims, it is their fate and it's Allah's will 
that they remain ruled by tyrants and despots and remain to live in injustice and oppression and that that is the fate and that that is acceptable to Allah. It, if it wasn't in the reality that we live, it would be too surreal. People would not believe it if it's not wasn't in fact our lived reality. But you want to understand why is it that Muslims are forced to adopt such a twisted way of thinking. It's because all the people with money and power have an enormous vested interest in making sure that you as a Muslim remain stupid and ignorant that you as a Muslim continue to believe that it is Allah's will that you live in tyranny and oppression. Take for example the very government and the very family that controls our holy sites that controls Al-Hijaz, Mecca and Medina. This family, imagine all the unbelievable evil that that family has committed. And I'm just going to give you two examples that just happened recently in these past couple of years. There was a sheikh, a sheikh. His name is Suleiman al-Duwaysh. Suleiman al-Duwaysh gave a lecture and in that lecture, he said something, and then later on also tweeted something, that implied, implied that the policies implemented by Muhammad bin Salman were policies that were haram. He called them diyatha. Diyatha is like being dishonorable. Muhammad bin Salman took this poor sheikh, arrested him, personally beat him, and personally supervised his torture. And this sheikh, this man of Quran, had a stick inserted in his anus. And his torture was so savage and that stick was inserted in his anus repeatedly until he died. 
under torture. More recently, another sheikh, his name is Abdullah Basfar. Abdullah Basfar is a man that does nothing but teach Quran. He teaches people to memorize the Quran, teaches people how to recite the Quran, teaches the different ways of reciting the Quran. Suddenly, Abdullah Basfar was arrested and disappeared. We don't know, no one knows why this reciter of the Quran was arrested, but even more, no one has the power to compel the government to say why they arrested a man who recites the Quran or teaches the Quran. Now, what type of theology does a ruler like that want you to believe in? Do they want you to believe in a hadith that tells you when you have rulers that are unjust, it is better to die resisting them? Is that the hadith they would want you to believe in? Or a hadith that tells you obey whoever comes to power even if they torture you and take your money? The answer is clear. And so we have a situation where the pro-tyranny faction get all this financial support and get all the institutional support while the anti-tyranny faction, the pro-justice faction, the faction that says justice is a collective social duty, it cannot be just achieved by some just despot. They have no support. So the only way to resist this awful corruption of Islam, of your faith, you know who is the most jubilant and happy about Islam being associated with despotism and injustice? other than the Salafis of Saudi and the Salafis of the Emirates and the Salafis of Egypt, and other than the Sufis of Bin Bayya and the Sufis of Zaytuna, do you know who is most happy about this? The Islamophobes and the Clash of Civilization people. Isn't it that Israel all the time says, we are the only democracy in the Middle East? We are the only democracy in the Middle East. And what do the followers of Saudi and the followers of the Emirates and the followers of Sisi say? Well, for Muslims, democracy is no good. So Israel says, didn't I tell you? That's why Islamophobes are so happy when they find Muslims idiotically and stupidly embracing the theology of despotism and injustice, where is your brain? Where is your heart? Where is your spirit? 
أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم صلى الله عليه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله العلي العظيم وأصلي وأسلم وبارك على محمد خاتم النبيين Today as we speak there are demonstrations in Egypt demonstrations all over Egypt we all know that there was a democratically elected ruler president that came to Egypt that was overthrown in a military coup when an officer overthrows a democratically elected ruler what is that called that's called wilayat al-mutaghallib the usurper the islamists of egypt with the exception of the muslim brotherhood but nearly all the salafi orientations and all the sufi orientations said sisi came to power through a coup sisi is a military officer sisi has the support of the army sisi is the legitimate ruler so today while poor people fill the streets in egypt demanding the overthrow of sisi where are the salafi muslims at home why are they at home because it is haram to overthrow a usurper it's haram to overthrow a mutaghallib why is it haram well because the prophet said it doesn't matter whether he's just or unjust it doesn't matter whether he has the consent of the people or doesn't have the consent of the people as long as has he has military power behind him you have to obey him you say but hold on hold on sisi has imprisoned over a hundred thousand people not just tortured but systematically and regularly raped women and men in prison women muhajjabas pious women go into egyptian prisons and disappear or go into egyptian prisons and come out pregnant women are being raped in egypt regularly and systematically by the security forces and the military the reports of torture in egyptian prisons are unbelievable you tell your salafi brothers and your sufi brothers not only that but sisi has made the most corrupt class in society richer than ever before 
and that 60% of the population are below the poverty line, and that a million Egyptians fall from middle-class status to poverty line status or under poverty line status every year since Sisi came to power. You tell them, wait, but Sisi has exercised extrajudicial killings. Sisi has executed hundreds of young people on trumped-up charges and confessions obtained under torture. You tell them, wait a minute. Sisi has destroyed more mosques in one year than Israel has destroyed since 1948 in Palestine. Sisi tears down mosques. You tell them, wait a minute, Sisi closed all the religious television channels and filled the airwaves with people like Ibrahim Isa and Yusuf Zidane who do nothing but attack Islam all day long, every day. Sisi has spread atheism all over Egypt. You tell them, wait a minute. Do you know who are the biggest supporters of Sisi? It is Netanyahu in Israel and the Islamophobes in the West. Daniel Pipes loves Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, loves them. Considers them the biggest gift to Israel which is the only country he cares about in the entire Middle East. As far as Daniel Pius or Robert Spencer are concerned, all the Muslims can burn to hell as long as Israel is, is fine and safe. And he loves Sisi because he completely has turned Gaza into a one huge concentration camps by building a huge wall separating Gaza from Egypt. And by pursuing Israeli policies towards Palestinians. You tell them if Sisi is overthrown, this will support the democracy movement in Sudan. This will support the democracy movement in Tunisia. It will support the democracy movement in Libya. It will support the democracy movement in Syria. It will even support the democracy movement in Saudi Arabia. It will, it will enable Palestinians to have a life, to at least live. Not live well, but at least live. All of that. And you know what your Salafi brother says? And your Sufi brother says? They look at you and say, oh well, that's so unfortunate, but the prophet said we have to obey. The rape doesn't matter, the torture doesn't matter, the injustice doesn't matter, the stealing doesn't matter, the corruption doesn't matter, the Islamophobes don't matter, Israel doesn't matter, none of it, Quds doesn't matter, none of it matters. The usurper must be obeyed. That is why, as there are demonstrations in Egypt right now, 
The Salafis and Sufis sat on the side watching CC destroy mosque after mosque, nearly a thousand mosques. Some of these mosques are historical sites. I went and started to research. I wanted to find another ruler that has destroyed as many mosques in the Muslim world. The French did not. The British did not. Even the French in Algeria, for God's sakes. Assisi destroyed mosque after mosque after mosque. The Salafis sat in their mosques praying, and the Sufis sat in their mosques praying, and if the government came to them and said, we want to destroy your mosque, they say, yes, sir, and they vacate and let the government destroy their mosque. Is this an Islam you're willing to accept? Is this an Islam that you think is viable? Is this an Islam that can survive in our modern world? An Islam associated with oppression, suffering, and injustice. I pray to Allah that the revolution in Egypt succeeds. I pray to Allah that CC is overthrown, as I pray to Allah that MBS is overthrown and MBZ is overthrown, and that this nightmare of pro-tyranny Muslims, including those who are the United States, are overthrown. But you know what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until Muslims wake up. Until every Muslim says, I don't belong to the pro-tyranny camp. And I will not believe anyone that tells me my prophet taught me that tyranny should be tolerated. Only when Muslims reach the point where they say it cannot be that our Prophet Muhammad taught us that tyranny must be tolerated. That we as Muslims deserve to be governed through our own consent. That it is an Islamic principle that you be governed by your own consent. And that we Muslims must live under a just system. We not only demand justice, but it is our obligation to work for justice and achieve justice. It's as simple as that. This issue is going to define the future of Islam for the coming century, at least. And it's going to define probably whether you're Muslim, whether your children remain Muslim 
or leave Islam altogether for the coming century. Because your children, when they go up, and if they fight, if it dawns on them that their parents are pro-injustice and pro-tyranny, they lose respect for you. And they look at you like a loser, backwards, ignorant loser. And ultimately, they lose respect for your entire system of belief. And no one wants to follow an ignorant loser. Allahumma afu'anna. Allahumma khfilana. Allahumma khamnana aliyya azim. Allahumma tub alayna ya tawab ya rabbal alameen. Allahumma tsur al-Islam wa a'izz al-Muslimin ya rabbal alameen. Wahdina waslih alana ya aliyya azim. Allah, forgive our sins. Grant us your light. Grant us wisdom. Allah, allow us to be among those who resist injustice and reject tyranny and stand up to demand the light of you, or the light of the divine and the light of God. Ya Ali, Ya Azim. Wa salli wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ahabihi. Wa tabu wa bi ihsanin illa yawmiddin wa atum salam.